Well, hello, hello. Welcome to Orchid Bloom's podcast. Welcome back, bloomers. My name is Orchid Brown. I am the host of the Orchid Blooms podcast. You can follow me personally on Instagram and TikTok at Orchid Eye Brown. Before I get into the topic of this podcast episode, I wanted to take the time to apologize for my abrupt exit um, in May after my last podcast episode. It was not meant to be the final episode. This, today's topic, is supposed to be the final episode. But then I ended up getting sick. Um, I don't know. It was really weird because for about two years of COVID and lockdowns here in Ottawa, I never caught COVID. I even worked in the, in the hospital and there was just I was surrounded by sick people and I never caught COVID. And then all of a sudden I switched jobs and I'm working from home and spring hit and I got sick. And then I said, okay, I'll get over the sickness and then I'll start recording again. So I got one week off, that was a break, and then boom, I got sick again the next week. And then finally finished that sickness, took another week to just kind of recover from the previous week just to get sick again. And I thought, okay, I think my body is trying to tell me that, guess what? It's time for you to take a break. Even though you have left the podcast at a a weird ending, you know, now is the time to actually just take a break and improve your immune system because this is not normal. I don't get sick very often, maybe once every five years. So it was really odd to get sick back to back, especially since I'm working from home and I'm not really going out that much. So it was it was really weird. So that uh, this hopefully explains why I just vanished and I just left with the last episode, which was being a millennial mom. Um, that was not the goal and I sincerely apologize, but I'm trying to make up for it this month by at least, um, producing two podcast episodes to drop on the platform. And hopefully after the two episodes, um, I can get back to my regular schedule of posting up a podcast episode once a week. Hopefully we'll see. Hopefully I don't get sick again, but, um, just wanted to provide you guys with that explanation. The topic for today's podcast episode is going to be on toxic work environment or toxic workplace. I haven't decided what I'm going to name this podcast episode yet when I publish it, but hey, let's go with it. Um, this this specific episode was kind of created as um, a contribution to the podcast episode on professional development and also on the podcast episode I did on my job hunting experience, I really wanted to dedicate an entire podcast episode to just talking about workplace um, toxic environments. And so I just wanted to continue the conversation by discussing toxic work environment. I listed in my personal episode what you need to look out for when considering a position starting from when you walk into the organization you're going for your first interview always pay attention to your surroundings it would suck if you work for a company that was toxic and you had ignored the signs that's really how i felt i mean i've looked back at certain situations that i've been in especially working for companies where i ignored the signs and as you know I'm leaving that organization and moving on. I think to myself, God, I really did waste my time. Like, why didn't I just pay attention the first time? But at the time, I needed a job. 
and I have bills to pay and I have goals. I have things that I want to accomplish and student loans is not going to pay itself. So I was put in a situation where I had to make a decision in that moment, which was that I need to focus on paying my student debt. I need to get out of debt. Um, I want to buy my house. I want to, you know, go on vacations as much as I possibly can travel more than once a year in order to do that. I'm just going to have to suck it up right now, do my time. And when an opportunity comes along somewhere else, just take it and go. And that was literally my thought process um, when I chose some of the jobs that, you know, the signs were there. Now that I am getting older, I find that I have become more sensitive to toxicity in a workplace almost tired of it i just have no tolerance and no patience whenever i'm in a room with it i just immediately get up and walk out i become incredibly irritated i just lack patience altogether because i'm just done with it and that's literally the attitude that i have when it comes to toxic work environment now now it's mandatory that i don't get caught into a, a toxic workplace it's it's mandatory it's 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 almost like a relationship because if you think about it you work at this place for a long period of time sometimes you're there 12 hours a day like it's basically a relationship except you know the job isn't giving you sex it's paying you but for the stress and you know the toxic environment and the bullshit that you have to deal with you know the money is just not enough to cover all of that so it's just it just feels like a bad relationship when you 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 choose to work in a toxic work environment. So today I just want to talk about what I have experienced working in a toxic environment and also what I've learned um, about about working in a toxic environment. And, you know, I later on in this podcast episode, I might piss some people off with base, based on what I'm going to say. So I'm warning you now. So don't get too upset. But, you know, you might be this person. <laughs> And you're just going to have to deal with it. So in today's podcast episode, we're going to, again, cover toxic workplace, toxic work culture, and toxic behavior in the workplace. You know, a lot of people would assume that, you know, a toxic work environment and a toxic uh, behavior in the workplace are the same. Technically, it's not. You can literally walk into a toxic work environment um, that might not be you know, the people that's causing it. It's just a toxic place to work. Um, It just completely changes everyone's mood. It's almost like the energy just shifts when you walk into the room. Whereas toxic work environment or behavior, toxic behavior is is from a person. You're feeling it from the person that you are in contact with or connected to or having a conversation with. You can just feel that toxic behavior and certain symptoms. I call it symptoms because it's honestly, it's it's almost like it's a mental illness, really. Toxic behaviors. It's, it's a mental illness. I really do feel like they need to diagnose this as a mental illness because some of these people just come out of the blue they're like bipolar almost but they're not diagnosed as bipolar and in one moment they're like hey how are you oh my god work you're so nice today and boom they're like bitch whatever i'm not dealing with you anymore and it's just too much these people are just too much just go get diagnosed so yeah yeah there's a difference between you know just a workplace toxic workplace environment compared to uh, just a toxic behavior Because one person could be doing this toxic behavior and a toxic workplace could be that everyone is experiencing a wave of negative emotion that just ruins their day and 
completely sucked the purpose out of their existence. There is a difference. Most of what we are going to discuss today will bleed into each other. So I don't, I don't want to repeat the same things over and over and over again um, to kind of differentiate the, the three agendas that I listed earlier. So hopefully this podcast makes a little bit of sense. I hope it will make sense. I'm not that stupid. I know what I'm doing. I think as far as I am concerned, they are all connected. I will begin with toxic workplace slash environment. Some people are so, you know, they like to come up with these fancy words for certain things, but let's be real, we're talking about the workplace, but for the intellectual people, let's talk about workplace, toxic work environment. A toxic work environment talks about cultures and behaviors, and this is what I meant by sometimes they bleed into each other. It's also about the culture and the behavior um, that is conducted in the workplace environment. Uh, Some of the common complaints include feeling of not being treated fairly, so non-inclusive, for, for, you know, your race, gender, sexual identity, or orientation, disability, and age. You may not have felt welcomed or included in key discussions. Uh, The next is lack of consideration courtesy and dignity for others no one likes to be disrespected and third organizations being dishonest or lack regulatory compliance the unethical behavior basically so an example would be training and safety you know those sorts of organizations that you go in and you start the orientation and they go over training and safety and they make it seem like they really do value you know your your safety and they, they value the training that they're providing and then they completely go against it as you get into the job so what they trained you that you're not supposed to do they're saying oh it's okay you can do it we just have to we just have to have that as part of our mandate of saying no you can't do it but once you're in as long as you know you don't do it too loudly and make it too obvious it's fine if you do it or they'll say stuff like, oh, you know, it's all about your safety. And if you point out something that's not safe, they tend to to just ignore it. You know, that dishonesty, that's what I mean. <laughs> so the fourth on the list is ruthless competition, which includes being cutthroat or backstabbing behavior, stabbing each other in the back. You know, you know those people. You have it in real life with your friends and then you have to go to work and you have to deal with, deal with it you know from people that you have to work alongside they're not really your friends they're like your work friends or they try to make it seem like they're your work friends but at the same time they're stabbing you in the back and trying to to take whatever blessings or opportunity coming your way and the last on the list is bullying harassment and hostility so basically uh, abuse of authority in some sense and in other sense it's not even the authority figure causing the abuse sometimes it's the people that you work alongside that is bullying you and harassing you and behaving in a hostile way they say that toxic workplace is a billion dollar problem but most massive organizations actually profit from it in my opinion don't quote me on that the reason why I say this is because they tend to keep the problematic employees promote them even pay them more money We notice so many good people that end up leaving an organization or getting fired because they don't fit into that culture. 
that problematic culture. So when people talk about how toxic workplace is a billion dollar business and that it's it's a it's a problem, a billion dollar problem, I just don't believe it because the examples that some of these organizations are showing to the world, especially if you work in an organization, is that they promote the toxic people and that they they praise them and you know they they recognize them as valued employees to the organization. So they give them influence basically they could be 10 to 20 complaints and they could have a fake investigation to please the masses and nothing will come of it and i've actually seen this before uh when i was working during covid at the hospital um i've heard stories like this before but i just i I was kind of shocked that it was actually true Uh, i remember meeting this cleaning lady She had left uh, work for about five years because she had cancer. So she had to go through chemo. She had to shave her head off. And, you know, she spent a lot of time with her family uh, because she could go at any time. Um, But she ended up fighting the cancer and beating it. And so when she came back, it was during COVID that she was working at the hospital. And she had this one girl, this woman, she's married with like two kids, miserable woman um who seemed like she was so nice but she was also one of those clicky people that like to have certain people around her that she can kind of control anywho she came back and all of a sudden she saw her as a threat i guess she was hoping that when she caught cancer she'd just die and she wouldn't have to deal with her but what didn't make any sense is that prior to her getting the diagnosis that she had cancer they were friends they would have lunch together they would talk a lot so to have come back after surviving cancer to a so-called friend that you knew before who now apparently hates your guts it, it was it was a shock for her so you know there would always be complaints made by this specific girl about harassment and that she's being bullied and that this person's being hostile so now they're using the system to now bully somebody else who has had five years of hell, basically, because I wouldn't wish cancer on anyone. I wouldn't wish cancer on anyone. <laughs> there's no way, there's no other way to say that. So she would make all of these complaints, and you know, because they have a union. And she would send it in and, you know, the union people will come in and they'll do this whole investigation. And she would send in like maybe four, um, you know, complaints a year. And for some apparent reason, this organization would not like they'll they'll do their fake investigation, which to me, it's a fake investigation. If you continue to leave room for someone who's clearly abusing the system that is set up to protect those that are truly being harmed in the workplace by others, you're allowing a bully to use a system to bully somebody else. So they would do their fake investigation, check the cameras, you know, to see if what this person is saying is true. And the investigation would end with it not being true, but they make no real changes. They would say to the girl that's being bullied, the girl who just got back from, you know, battling cancer, to basically tell her that she needs to be more mindful and that she needs to be more courteous and maybe she needs to change her behavior towards this girl even though she doesn't even talk to her they don't she doesn't say hi she said hi in the beginning and then a complaint was made that she was harassing her because she kept saying hi and so she stopped saying hi 
And when she sees her, she avoids her. So in her mind, she was like, how are you putting all of these complaints in when I have zero contact with you? And so they would go through these investigations that, you know, the, the people in the workplace are, are paying their, their money. It's coming out of your paycheck, every pay going towards union. And they're doing this and they're doing that. And they're making it seem like they're working so hard. And even though the proof is in the pudding and it's clear that this girl is lying, they don't necessarily go and and have that conversation with that girl and confront her about it. They instead go to the victim and then tell the victim that she needs to change who she is and she needs to change where she walks, um, how she does her work to not offend the other girl. And then basically left it up to her to fix the relationship between them both. And in my mind, I was like, what's the point of the union? What's the point of managers? What's the point of supervisors if you're going to turn around and tell an employee that they need to fix the situation? It just didn't make any sense to me at all. So she continued to be bullied all the time. And it came to a point where they were telling her she couldn't even go and get coffee because you know how the hospital has Tim Hortons. So, you know, it's right at the entrance of, of you know, the, the hospital. And she hasn't started work yet. So she comes in early. She puts away her stuff. You know, she says hi to everyone. And she walks to the Tim Hortons to buy herself some Tim Hortons. And apparently that offended the girl too. Because she happened to be standing near Tim Hortons. So, oh my God, I'm being harassed. The girl is standing in line to buy herself a coffee. And then she's going to go and set up and get ready to start work. And apparently that girl was, you know, harassed. It just didn't make any sense. And they they didn't really care. Even though, you know, all of this stuff is happening on camera, they could see that the girl was lying and that nothing is happening. But they still found a way to hurt the victim, the one that is clearly being bullied and they have not found any proof to show that she's doing what this person claims to do so again you're allowing this abusive nature to continue all the paperwork all the investigation yeah toxic workplace is a billion dollar problem isn't it and yet you you, you're not trying to fix it you're you're actually entertaining it and you're allowing it to continue and not really doing anything about it Now, most managers or individuals of authority could tell the employees to solve the problem amongst themselves, which is what I just mentioned a few seconds ago. I have seen this countless times, and I really have. In different organizations, I have seen this countless times, and it just does not make any sense to me at all, which, of course, is poor management, but they don't care. The organization will keep functioning, and when you leave, you will be forgotten and replaced. The reason why I say profit from it, they profit from the toxic environment, is that some organizations, not all, receive funds and money from outside entities, such as government, to fix these problems. They pocket it, of course. People at the top start getting raises, and if they are truly losing money, billions, in fact, why are the people at the top getting so much money in salary and bonuses at the end of the year so when i look at it 
um, you know, I see these organizations who are complaining about, oh, I don't, we don't have the money, we don't have this. Next thing you hear, oh, we're praising this CEO and the president, and you know, giving them a little bit more money, and they get a huge amount of bonuses, and they're they're getting more locations, and they're investing the money there, but they're also complaining that you know they're losing a lot of money due to the the fact that they have to put in money in these toxic environments and trying to fix the problem. I mean, I'm happy for you if you think that throwing money at it is going to fix the problem. Good luck. It never does. But you're still making a shit ton of money and putting it elsewhere and then calling it a loss and saying you're losing it because of a toxic work environment that you're struggling to fix. You're not struggling. You're doing pretty well. You own a huge house. You drive a fancy car. You get to go on long vacations every year. Please. That you're not losing. It's not a billion dollar problem for most organizations. Who are you fooling? A toxic environment has high levels of stress, burnout, mental health issues, and other stressors that leads to poor physical health. The increase in stress levels has gone up. The organization has to pay for that. So that's where they lose money or you know it leaks out um that that is how it affects the organization the most uh, is what i'm trying to say i don't know why i'm stuttering through this um how do organizations handle this they have recognition uh gathering networking events and the illusion of inclusivity so that they can encourage whoever is left standing to work harder and produce more to offset their losses which of course stress levels and burnout and mental health issues go up um when i was when i was writing this podcast episode i was i this this specific part that i just mentioned about you know toxic environment and the high level of stress and burnout and and how they rely heavily on certain employees loyal employees in the company good employees in the company to take on extra work and work harder and produce more and it kind of reminded me of the special that dave chappelle did and it was almost the third installment of of his comeback tour with netflix and he was in this small little little bar and with a tiny little stage and it doesn't even look like a stadium and this guy could literally sell out a stadium but he you know the third the third special was was just in a small little nook of a place and i think the location that he did it at is is one of the locations where he started out as a humble uh a humble um comedian i don't know if Chappelle has ever been humbled but i guess it's the it's the small beginnings that really matters and so he did the special there so it wasn't a lot of seats it was just a small intimate setting and it was it was cute and you sitting on the stage smoking cigarettes just having a conversation with the audience and netflix still you know recorded it and put it up and he still made a shit ton of money from that episode even though it wasn't as spectacular as a, a stadium recording so he decided to answer the question which is what everybody wanted answers to what happened he disappeared for a, f- a few years. He had a really successful show and he just up and quit and disappeared, went to Africa, just like that. So this was a, you know, a question I needed to answer it as well. So he decided to tell the story by, by sharing a, a book called Iceberg Slim Pimp or something like that. I think that's what it's called. I'm not really sure. I haven't read the book, but he was telling the story 
from that book. And basically in the book, there's a pimp and there's a hoe. And I guess <laughs> at the end of the story, you know, you had to figure out which one was he. It took, it took me some time because in my mind I was like, Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle is a talent. He wrote all of the scripts. Um, he provided all of these jobs and he created all of this content and material that to this day is super popular. So in my mind, I see him as the pimp. I would have never seen him as the hoe. So in the story, uh, basically a pimp knows that you can get a certain amount of years out of a hoe uh, and make money off of her. And so the pimp had to come up with an idea to somehow get a few more years, maybe five or 10 more years out of the hoe. So he basically staged this thing where, you know, he asked someone that he knew to meet with her at a hotel room. She told the hoe or he told the hoe to bring a certain amount of money in a suitcase um, to give it to this guy. But the plan was that she was going to seduce him and sleep with him. And, you know, he's going to pass out um, maybe from drugs or whatever. And she's going to take the money and leave. And that way he can keep it and make it seem like he was robbed and it had nothing to do with the pimp. So um, she did that and all of it. And then the guy, I guess, passed out and did not wake up. And so she was on the assumption that this guy was dead. So she went and she grabbed the pimp and the pimp came up and he's like, what happened? She's like, oh, we're having a good time. And now he's just dead. So he checked the pulse and, you know, made sure that he was truly dead, but he really wasn't. And um, basically told her, oh, my God, you killed him. So she felt this immense amount of guilt and wanted to to basically make it up to him. And that is how he got the hoe to make him a little bit more money for the next few years so when he told the story that's when i was like which i feel like you're the pimp because you're the creator you created the, the dave Chappelle show for comedy network you were the talent you were the writer you were everything um behind this show so you had to have been the pimp and the fact that you walked away from 50 million dollars my friend or was it a billion i think it's 50 million and just walked away like you must have huge balls like only a pimp could just decide to pack up his shit grab all his money ditch his hose and just bounce you know what i mean so i kept thinking no way man he has to be the pimp but then when i really think about it and what he actually went through you know having the comedy network own his name um and basically all the content that he created is actually owned by the comedy network and they're receiving royalties for his hard work it made sense now. I was like, wow, he really is the hoe. He gave how many years to to this business, this empire that he was building under his name and he was he what he didn't own it. He so as much as they were offering him fifty million, when it's time for him to retire with his wife and his kids going off to college and university, the Dave Chappelle show and all those episodes will still be popular. So they're still going to be making a shit ton of money off of the royalties of reruns and everything, and he's not going to get shit. So I can understand where Dave Chappelle was coming from, is that he basically signed over his soul, and at the time didn't think very much of it. He was just happy to have that opportunity. It's kind of like, you know, you go into a job, you see the signs, you know it's a bad environment, people are telling you like this contract is this and this contract's that, but you needed that money at the time, 
And so you had to make sacrifices. But now he's a little bit older. He has a wife. He has a child, a child, and he's starting to look at it from a business perspective and realize that they own him. He has no right to his own name. So yeah, he was the hoe. He was making money for the comedy network who was his pimp. At the end of the day, that was it. So a lot of people need to understand, like when I was talking about the part uh, that I just um, read out to you guys about how they put so much pressure on the people still left standing, you know, try to encourage them to work harder and produce more um, to offset their losses so that they can still make their bonuses and keep their paychecks every year. You're a hoe. That's basically what it is. And when I say, you know, the people that have left, I mean the people that apply for stress leave. Do you know how many people apply for stress leave in an organization? And the company has to pay out when these people go on stress leave. So they don't necessarily want to go into their own reserves to to offset that balance. They would rather have the people that are still left standing work till they're they're bleeding sweat blood and tears get get goes into that work and they'll have little events here and there and recognition maybe give you a plaque or a pen or you know thank you for 25 years you know stuff like that to show their recognition and then you know if you if you can't deal with anymore just leave and they'll just replace you at the end of the day you still produced enough money for them to still make their paycheck and also get their bonuses at the end of the year and go on their lavish vacation Regardless, they're not really breaking the bank. And this is what I meant by it's not really a billion dollar problem because most companies aren't actually investing in these areas. They really aren't. You are picking up that bill. You are working like a slave making peanuts so that they don't have to go in their reserve to take care of this problem. It doesn't really matter to them because they're not fixing the problem they just need whoever is there to continue to produce 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 and make them more money the organizations and the people at the top make more money by spending little to provide appreciation and comments in conversations with you or through mass emails you know you've worked at those those companies that send out mass emails every every week going oh congratulations to this person for all the time that they have put we want to congratulate this team lead and this team has produced so much more than what they what they were supposed to and they they send out the mass email so that everyone could see it um, to show appreciation but guess what that doesn't cost a lot of money for them to do that it really doesn't this is to encourage you to push harder so you will be recognized and a, a lot of people like that validation you know what i mean you are the hoe or the slave and they want that last amount of mileage you have left to make them money they know you have a capacity before you are finished and that's the same thing with Dave Chappelle's story. He got a few more years out of that hoe just by guilting her and setting up the whole plan so that she feels like she has to produce and give the best head and the best sex to all the clients to make her money for the next few years to make up for the fact that a client died. Once you are done, you leave and you are replaced. As I mentioned before, that cycle continues. So yes, toxic culture, toxic workplace is profitable. Hopefully you quit so you can't use the resource. That's something that they don't like to, to say out loud, but a lot of organization would rather you quit. 
once they have seen you have capped, basically you've reached your capacity, they will do what they have to do to make you quit. They don't want to fire you because if they have to fire you, they'd have to pay you out. And a lot of people don't know that. I honestly would rather be fired because depending on how long I have been working with the organization, they have to pay me out. They have to for the time spent, for the dedication. So having me quit actually does them a favor. Once they see that you've reached your capacity and they can tell, they know when you're stressed out, burnt out, they know. So they're like, all right, before this person decides to file for stress leave and fuck us over, let's put them in such a difficult situation that they'd have to quit the job. And once they quit, we save our money. That does happen. A lot can contribute to low productivity, but toxic work environment is a huge factor in this. Employees become disengaged and begin job searching, which leads to the great resignation. I know they did that article back in the day, and I read that article, and it was a very well done article. We are in a different time now. So a lot of people are holding on to what they have because they feel uncertain. The question of can we find a comfortable work home? Because technically it's a, it's a work home. You spend more hours there than you do your own home. Is there an organization that isn't toxic? That's another good question. What's the point of leaving when all companies are this bad? That's also another factor that people consider before they quit their job. Do I want to give up what I have to pursue my dream job? Well, what if you pursue your dream job and you end up hating it, you know, and realize that you left a good cushy job that you didn't like either and you should have just stayed rather than pursue something that you thought was your dream that ended up not being your dream. A lot of people go through that too. What will happen to my family if the next job doesn't work out? Who wants to quit a job to go into another job and does, you know, don't perform very well and get fired and have to be back to square one? Nobody wants that. Things are getting expensive. Do I really want to transition right now? That's another way of keeping yourself in a box and putting you in a situation where you will stay in a toxic environment. It becomes depressing. The enthusiasm is not there anymore because they're miserable and unhappy. Bad attitudes create a self fulfilling prophecy all that negativity is a result of the culture the gloomy vibe you feel when you enter your workplace it's difficult to get out of bed in the morning it hinders everybody's ability to get things done toxic work environment equals poor attitude i have spoken to a few people and they have expressed to me that they are overkilling themselves for a job that they consider a career when they were fresh in the industry, the enthusiasm was there. Then life and the job beat them down. Now they don't care about a career job. Just less stress, pension, benefits, and quality of life. Less work and good pay. Not very many people I have spoken to care to move up or want to be a supervisor or a manager. It's too much, too much stress, and it's not worth the money being offered. Being responsible for how many employees, not worth it. If they fuck up, it's your fault. Who wants to be responsible for their employees making an, an error or a mistake? We all just want to go into work, do the job, and leave. That's where most of us are currently now in our lives. We're, we're over it. We just, we just want to do the job and go home. Even this summer, I went to a spa with a couple of friends. 
And they were, we were having this type of conversation as well because we're all just tired of chasing that invisible dream um, that most likely isn't even our idea. It's an idea that society has put in our, in our mind and nurtured in our existence growing up from high school until now that, you know, you need to find a career. You're going to find fulfillment if you have that career and you're going to be successful if you have that career. No one talks about the downside of working in a career job. You choose something, you studied for it, you get into that job. Now you remembered you, you spent four years of university working towards this point and you get there and you realize it's great for like the first year or two and then afterwards you've just reached your capacity because you're miserable and unhappy. And it's not because you know your, your home life is bad. It's not because things are falling apart everywhere else. It's just this is the downside to, to motivation. And technically motivation isn't a problem, but motivation can only last for so long. At this point, you need to have discipline. And a lot of people don't have that kind of discipline. So my friend and I were, you know, we were having a conversation about how people are now working to live rather than living to work. Um, I can successfully say that I am over seeking validation from my jobs or positions or a career, whatever. My need to have an important position or be in the front or center of attention followed by being praised is not something I want anymore. I am done with giving power to things that are means of control in my life. I'm over it. Nobody wants to live to work. I know people that, you know, have bought their houses and I, I never could understand like why you would buy a house that's outside of your means and you're going to spend the next 20 to 30 years of your life basically working to pay a mortgage. You live for that house. That's basically giving power to a thing. It's a house. Why couldn't you have bought something within your means? Because you're too busy trying to impress the next person that you don't realize that you've trapped yourself and made yourself a slave to your home. Work smart, not hard. We hear this saying all the time and a lot of people cannot describe the difference between work smart and not working hard. Like how can you do that? Especially if you were programmed at such a young age to always work hard, deplete your energy. How do you switch that mindset from you have to work hard to working smart? This is a conversation me and the girls were having in the car as we're driving to the spa. The only way we can achieve work, working to live is if we get over the need of validation. You will end up doing longer hours for little money. You will be exhausted, irritable, you know, frustrated and annoyed, stressed to death, end up with medical issues. Most people want to live their lives to the fullest. That's how we're feeling nowadays. And we're, we're making the decision to not put ourselves in a situation where we're chasing uh, a goal or uh, a dream of, of being on top in an organization anymore because it's really not worth it. No one's goal is to live to work. We, who says my pur purpose is labor? We see those memes on Facebook and Instagram where people are talking in reels about how I don't want to spend my life 
working. I don't dream about labor. I don't dream about working. No one does. They're working so that they can put themselves in a position where they don't have to, where they can truly enjoy their lives while they're young. But most times life happens and you end up continuing to work and put yourself in that position to to try to maintain it, especially if you move up in an organization and you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. You can't just walk away from that and you know go into early retirement. You know how hard it was for you to work, so you're holding on. You sound like a slave. You're a good hoe. For all those people who are chasing the dream, wake up. If not, good luck, because at this moment in time, you're clinging on to something that is not going to necessarily give you as much satisfaction. I just keep seeing people who are so happy doing roles that's beneath them. Uh, you know, they're not in a situation of pressure or stress. A lot of people would rather just work minimum wage because it's just it's just less. You know what I mean? And you see how happy they are. Even though they're just living day by day and paycheck to paycheck, they seem fine. I don't want that for my life. I really don't. I like freedom. I want to live. I don't want to be that person who's sitting at work hours on end doing overtime, trying to keep up, trying to prove to my boss that I'm good and to recognize me and give me a promotion to give me more stress and give me more responsibility of, you know, managing other people. I maybe early 20s, I was thinking, oh my God, this would be the dream because you see all these people in the shows and the movies and they just seem like they're so happy. No one is talking about the downside to these types of functions and these types of job and getting to the top no one really talks about it and when they do mention it they somehow make it glamorous so i don't know do i want to continue living to work or do i want to work to live i work and i make my money and i go out and get a life i live a balanced life i go out to dinner with my friends i just do whatever makes me happy and not what other people expect me to do I don't have to go home and do whatever I, I have to do just so I can have stories to come to work to tell my coworkers because it fits in a specific category that would make my coworkers or my managers or my supervisors feel good about themselves. I don't want that pressure. I just want to do me. I'm a little bit greedy, so minimum wage jobs won't really do it for me, but I still just want to do me. I don't want to feel any pressure from anybody else. It's my life. And I want to live it. And I don't want people telling me how I should live my life. Nobody wants to be in a box. I don't want to be a bird in a cage. I want to be free. So in a toxic work environment, fear of, fear of failure can be paralyzing. That feeling combined with threat of punishment if you, if you fail can truly affect your psychology. That feeling that you'll lose your job be taken off projects and never be trusted again can be traumatizing. An environment that leaves room for error, provides support and continuous training or foster learning would help decrease dysfunction and confusion. If not, you get results such as lack of trust, ineffective communication, and power struggles. The results I just stated leads to gossiping and drama I understand that competition is necessary, but what about healthy competition? Has that concept died? You can arrive at work to dirty looks, side-eye glances, whispers, and extreme passive-aggressive behavior. See, behavior. Those are some of the things that some of these toxic people do at the workplace. Passive-aggressiveness. I can't deal with it. 
Uh, workplace bullying and harassment is a problem. It is so hard to break when this was nurtured from primary school or being in your home at a very young age. It is taught. No one wants to be prey. People would rather be a predator unless, of course, they like being a victim. This leads to burnout, depression, anxiety, and aggression. No one can last long in an environment such as that. So the organization have a high turnover rate. However, I commend individuals for leaving an abusive environment. And you should be praised for finding the strength to leave, for knowing your limit. A lot of people choose to stay and become a part of the problem. And this is where I mentioned in the beginning of the podcast episode that, you know, some people might be able to relate to this. You know what I mean? And it, this part of the podcast episode might piss you off a little bit because you are the problem and you just don't know it. If they don't join in, you are an outcast. You want to move up, have access to opportunities. You need to participate if you want access to these opportunities. If you want to move up, you have to participate. You have to become a part of the clique that preys on others. Embrace the toxic culture completely. You have to be stripped apart and defeated to reach that level, completely beaten down. Even though you have embraced it, you still suffer from distrust between your colleagues. You are a favorite one day and find a knife in your back. The next day, I have a saying that I live by, which is that I don't roll around in mud with pigs. What that means is that I won't participate in something that is against who I am as a person. If tearing down another person will put me in a position of power eventually or become a favorite in the workplace, I just won't do it. I will not participate with those pigs rolling around in the mud. It's just I don't like the dirt. I'm kind of like a, you know, a germaphobe a little bit. I just, I just would not want to treat someone the way that I wouldn't want to be treated. I want to be able to respect everyone. And if you know they step out of bounds, I'll put them in their place. But at the end of the day, I'm going to respect you and I'm going to treat you well. But I, I won't stoop that low to, to get in to a click. I've never been a clicky person. Even in high school, I've had multiple friends all over the place from different cultures, different backroom and they had uh, background and they had different tastes. And so I've never felt that I needed to just stick to one click and stay there for the years of high school. So why would I go into the workplace and participate in tearing down people that are good, that are wonderful and they have great perspectives and you never know what they could contribute to the workplace if you had just given them an opportunity. I can't be the problem. In a toxic work environment, lack of confidence in leadership is sometimes normal. Most times, leadership participate in the gossiping and the drama. You know, they like to roll around in the mud with pigs. They start to behave like common employees. They forget that they are the leaders, that they are leadership, that they are supposed to lead others. I also understand that they have to do this to please the masses because the masses could cost them their job. I get that fear. They are petty. That fear alone can make an authority figure compromise themselves the trust you should have with your leader is now destroyed when the leader starts to disrespect their employees they receive it back in return 
if not to their faces, then behind their backs. There is fear on both sides. Because of this confusion, now we have an issue with uncertain work responsibilities and boundaries. Employees behave like managers, while managers behave like employees. The power dynamic has now shifted. Employees are now delegating work and criticizing their coworkers, not offering assistance, but bossing them around. You hesitate going to your leader about it because they support it, less work for them. I've been in an environment such as that, and honestly, it's not fun when you don't have confidence or trust in your, your leader. It puts you, the employee, in a difficult situation where you feel that you are just not supported, and it also makes you look at your leader in a funny way because it's clear that they're lazy and they're just trying to avoid being put in a position where they have to make decisions. So why did you, why were you promoted in the first place? Why are you in this position if you can't handle the job? I just don't understand. When you are asked in a meeting how to improve the quality and health of your, your workplace, the work environment, you find yourself reluctant to provide feedback out of fear that it will be used against you. Leaders are greeted with nonverbal feedback, such as eye rolls, because their fate in leadership is gone. And I've been in that situation where, you know, you see these people come in and they're trying to have a, a productive conversation with you, where they're trying to encourage you to be a part of the solution in creating a positive work environment, except you have the leader who's standing or sitting behind them, rolling their eyes when they come in. And you as the employee see that kind of attitude and also realize that this is just not useful at all. So you find yourself mimicking that behavior. There is no point in speaking candidly. You can feel the tension in the meeting because that is the culture in the office. The employee and leaders have disengaged, which harms the structure of communication. A company can have core values, impressive mission and vision. But if it is not reflected within the organization, then it's a toxic environment. What are some of the things that you can do to cope in a toxic work environment slash culture? And one of the reasons why I wanted to add this to the podcast episode is for those people who can't leave. They Either it's a failure to move on, failure to launch. I'm not really sure what category you would put that in. But they're in a circumstances where they know they might not find better immediately after quitting or it, they've been looking for so long that they've just given up because they just can't find what they're looking for. So now you have to learn how to cope in a toxic work environment or with toxic work culture. So one of the things that you can do is find like-minded people who share the need to foster positivity. Not gossiping buddies, someone you can talk to about things outside work, shared positive experience, plans, and etc. It will bring some semblance of happiness in your day. This will also help you focus on what you are, what you can control. The second thing that you can do is become courageous and provide feedback in a tactful way by stating the desired results. Of course, you will have to be selective of the right leaders to approach someone that would be receptive of your ideas and hopefully work with you to make all of this possible. We are now at the end of the podcast episode and I just wanted to end on the note of reminding you all not to be the problem. I understand that you might have come from 
organizations, uh, previous organizations where it was an incredibly toxic environment or they had a really toxic culture. And you have now learned a lot of these toxic behavior in your movement, your body language, the way that you talk, the way that you walk, the passive aggressive attitude that you bring to the table. It's going to be so hard for you to break away from that. But a lot of people who are going into workplaces sometimes are bringing that sort of negativity from their previous job into that organization and is now become the problem. So try to be mindful of what you're doing, how you're talking, how you're walking, how you treat people, how you talk to people. These are things that you have to monitor yourself because you are in charge of you. No one else is in charge of you but you. So you have to be very careful that you are not the cause of toxic environments. A lot of people feel energy. So if you come around with your negative energy, they're going to feel it. And then they're going to start developing these toxic symptoms themselves. And it's going to now carry on and attach itself to so many people. When you focus on the negativity that you experience with your previous job and you have nothing positive to say about your previous job and you're bringing that negativity into a new workplace, guess what? You have become the problem. You needed a clean slate. You needed to leave the past in the past and you needed to go into your workplace, this new workplace that you work for with a positive mindset and how you're going to change your behavior to impact your quality of life. And a lot of people don't consider this when they're going forward. They come in with that attitude that, you know, I had so many bad jobs before that now I have to be careful. Now I have to have my defenses up. Now I have to behave in a certain way so I can, I can, you know, avoid being the person that's being bullied or harassed or seen as prey. So you come in with this attitude, but sometimes that attitude is the problem you have now contributed to a more toxic environment and you don't even know that you have affected this atmosphere so i really want people to sit down and evaluate themselves look at yourself look at your behavior in the workplace and ask yourself are you the problem are you contributing to that negative environment what are you doing to provide positivity to maybe help change the atmosphere to hopefully foster positivity and and good communication as well as you know fostering that kind of love because again it's your work home you spend majority of your time there than you do at home with your own family so at the end of the day don't be the problem just don't be the problem i hope this episode was informative and has helped change your situation for the better thank you for supporting the orchid blooms podcast visit our website at taonetwork.ca and our social media pages on facebook the ambitious obsession network instagram at the ambitious net twitter at the ambitious ops my personal instagram page and tiktok page is at orchid eye brown don't forget to click the follow or subscribe button share your favorite episode with your family and friends and i hope you have a splendid day Bye.